Hey you, thanks for tuning into the Waiting List Podcast. I'm Long Long. I'm Daniel. And I'm Jacqueline. And we are three watch friends with a healthy obsession for watches. So sit back and relax with us while we chat with collectors, industry giants, and share some good vibes. Hi everyone, welcome back today for yet another episode here with The Waiting List. Um, it's Jacqueline here, joined by Daniel. And our guest of today is actually someone I um, had the pleasure of meeting at the very beginning of my collecting journey through our common love of Cartier. Um, he is one of like the first people that I, uh, first few people that I reached out to on Instagram. And he is also the host of Collector's Gene Radio, which I recently had the pleasure of chatting on. Um, I have to say it was one of the most calming experiences. And I said that multiple times on uh, Cameron's show. Um, but it was just like I was in a, such a Zen mode that I had to invite him back to the waiting list to see how the other side lives. Um, so here it is, Cameron for the waiting list podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Yeah. So um, we were saying before, um, you know, prior to recording that you 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 recently started um, Collector's Gene, which we'll get into like later on in the, the podcast. But could you just very briefly tell us a little intro about why you wanted to wanted to do it? Um, because, I mean, I enjoyed being on it and I thought your um uh, all the guests that you've had on so far were, I mean, so much cooler than 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 me, and their stories were very very unique. So please tell us about that. Well, Shut I up. think that you made it into the Rob report. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, Kevin. I, I, <laughs> I I think as you said, um, exactly that everyone's story is unique, and I started the podcast because I'm a collector of many things, not just watches. I collect all sorts of things. I grew up around my grandparents collecting things and they really got me hooked from a really young age without even knowing it. I just kind of grew up around this stuff. And so at the beginning of COVID, when everyone had a little bit more time to uh, think and and reflect at, at home, um, I, I really wanted to start a podcast, not just on watches, but I know that there's so many collectors out there of all sorts of things. Um, and the idea really started way back when, when my wife and I were in Venice and we were doing a gondola ride and the gondolier pointed out the top floor of the Amman Venice Hotel. And it was later in the evening. So the only lights that were on were the top floor. And he told us this whole story about this count in Venice who lives there and he, he turned it into an Amman hotel, but he kept the whole top floor for his family. And I was like, I can't even imagine what treasures this guy grew up around and he probably collects all these things, but he probably doesn't even know it. It's probably just second nature to him. Um, and that's how I've felt about a lot of things that I've collected in my life. And um, so I started going down this rabbit hole. I got a chance to meet Jay Leno and all these people I started meeting, whether it was in the watch community or not, I realized that they all collected things. And the conversations that we were having were less about what they have and more about why they have it. Um, not everybody's always comfortable sharing everything that they keep in the safe or the bank vault. And um, I'm okay with that. I care more about the stories behind them, uh, their upbringing, when they became a collector, whether they even realize they're a collector, which, you know, some of the guests are like, wow, now that I'm talking to you, I, I guess I do collect. Um, and so it's been, it's been really interesting. And uh, all the guests that I've had on have been super um, generous with their time, including yourself. And that's been uh, pretty special to to kind of make these connections other than talking to somebody on Instagram. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's it's absolutely incredible what you're doing and your vision for it for the future. And we'll chat more about that later. But um, first and foremost, please like tell us about yourself, um, a little bit of background and everything. Yeah, so um, I'm uh, based out in Arizona, um, right outside the Phoenix area, you know, big place called Scottsdale. Uh, a lot of people are familiar with, I'm sure. Um, uh, I was born on the East Coast. And and shortly after that, I moved out, out to the West Coast here and, and pretty much grew up here. And um, half my family still lives on the East Coast, half my family's here. Um, I don't work in podcasting for a living. Uh, like most of us who do podcasting, we, we, we have other jobs. And 
Um, I'm in the manufacturing business, so uh, office furniture, accessories, and office furniture for the ergonomic industry. Um, and I do all that stuff primarily out of Asia. Um, so it's uh, that's kind of what I do behind closed doors, Monday through, well, pretty much every day because. In China, they work every day, uh, much harder than we do in the U.S. So um, I work pretty much every day. But uh, collecting has really been my hobby and my way to take any spare time that I have to uh, kind of get lost for a minute. Mm-hmm. And when did you? Um, I mean, we're a podcast about watches, so we'll ask about watches first. When, when did you start collecting uh, watches? Seriously, collecting. Yes, I, I've always loved them. Um, I would say I didn't seriously start collecting them until probably four or five years ago, maybe. Um, I always had watches. None of them were anything to ever write home about, you know, but I always appreciated them. And I always were buying new ones, whether they were cheaper or, or expensive, whatever it was. But I would say seriously collecting probably four or five years ago um, is when things really kind of kicked into gear for me. Mm-hmm. And can you tell me, because um, I'm always interested, like what makes someone, because it all starts off as a fun hobby, right? But then yeah. usually there's something that happens, like a switch that gets um, switched on that, you know, puts you into a mindset where you say, okay, actually, let me see if I can take this anywhere or make anything out of it. Um, when when was that point for you? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I've always had an appreciation for watches, but obviously from a, a standpoint of of your financial situation, when you're in high school or you're 13 years old, you can't necessarily go out and and purchase the things that you love. But I always noticed my grandparents always wearing um, nice watches. And I always appreciated that. I always admired that. I always thought, you know, one day I'll, I'll have a few, you know, to call my own. Um, but what really clicked for me is my first vintage or my first watch in general, my first expensive watch that I bought that I went out and like really splurged on was a Longines heritage model um, of one of their, their military 1945 with like the speckles on the dial, whatever it is. And that was my first watch that I bought. I bought it from um, Matt who's at vintage Longines on, on Instagram. And I thought that that was just so cool because he helped them design that watch. And I thought that that was just, the neatest um, thing to have. And then, and then I kind of started losing taste for it a little bit. I kind of wanted to get into some more real vintage stuff. So I, I got rid of it. And from there, it, it honestly just spiraled. My wife, well, fiance at the time was like, you have to stop getting these packages every day. This is absolutely absurd. I was like, I, I, I actually can't stop. Like, I I think (laughs) there's an issue. Like I, I legit can't stop getting things. Um, but I learned how to just buy things that I like. And it's always served me well if I ever need to get rid of something. I, I buy stuff that that's to my taste that I like, whether I pay high or I pay low. Um, I find that oddly, it's just always served me well. And I think that it would do the same for everybody. If everyone just bought what they were interested in, what spoke to them, they would never have trouble getting out of it if, God forbid, they ever had to. You know, it's very interesting because you you said that you bought your first series watch online and it wasn't through like a retail store. It was through another collector on Instagram that you met on Instagram. And I know, you know, you're you're very um, um, I mean, we're all very active on Instagram and I think we're all very open to buying and uh, selling things online through the platform. But what's your opinion on the platform and and this is let me see if i can word this well because i'm still like formatting it as i'm as i'm uh thinking about it it's like the more you spend time on instagram this is me by the way so i want to know if you resonate with it i often get a sense that i might be burnt out by all the things i'm seeing and there are moments like that and it takes me a while to get back to it and then i love it again for whatever reason I love the community. I love it's, you know, it's very trustworthy because it's so, such a small circle. And if you even get scammed, you know, there's always someone to that will have you be- have your back. But in terms of like purchasing and selling and seeing what other people are buying, like that hoard mentality, do you, do you get that feeling? And then you, and then I would often get burned out by that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely comes in waves. And, you know, I think it also oddly comes at times when we're all busy in our own lives and, and not, you know, the hobbies that we partake in, like collecting anything. And so I always find myself getting in and out of the social media stuff at the right time um, for when my life just gets busy. And then when, when things pick up back again, you know, and when I say taking time away, it's less of like scrolling through posts and seeing what people post. And it's more just like, Hey, is, is there a story I'm interested in or whatever? And that's it. And I find that, you know, I just start using these platforms more and more when time permits, you know, and, and it's less of, constantly getting burnt out on seeing people post things. I think the algorithm does a decent job for me of if I'm not interested in someone's post several times in a row, they, they kind of pick up on that, you know, and start feeding me some new stuff. So yeah, there are times that you get burnt out, but I always find for me, it's just times when life's busy and, you know, obviously this stuff just comes secondary. Mm -hmm. I I just want to add to that. Like, in terms of your question, Jack, you see, like when I started collecting watches, uh, I also yeah. bought my first watch online. But when I when I there was no Instagram, you know, Instagram wasn't even this was Facebook this was in like twenty ten. Oh man, God, you're really like I don't want to put a year <laughs> on it, but uh, <laughs> it would have been that around if you really want to do that. <laughs> Probably around 2010, something like this. Yeah, I remember when and, we uh, my about first this. watch was uh, an Omega Speedmaster, right? And I bought it off eBay. So that's also online, right? I never, you know, actually found the buyer. And it's it's different because, you know, you still had so many things to potentially shop on eBay. You know, suddenly uh, my transition was, God, I'm making myself sound so old now, but going it's from okay, actually physical retails <laughs> physical retail stores to having suddenly everything of access online right and then like just going through all of that stuff and so if you search like omega seamaster you'd like hundreds you know there'd be like loads and then you'd be thinking okay like you were kind of protected by the platform because you know ebay was a third-party escrow but i think with instagram it combined with it combined something different it's not it didn't it had emphasis on more like let's say a person selling a watch you had you could gauge that trust by what they were posting and actually engaging them a lot easier than sending a message on ebay and yep, then waiting yep. them for to reply and then sending another message and then waiting them to reply right and that was um just a very different experience yeah probably and, more advanced and, in a way and you know it's interesting it's like i've never been the person that felt like and I, I have no shame to anybody who feels this way, but I've never been the person that felt like, okay, if I'm going to buy this expensive thing, I need to get it from, from the, from the dealer or from the, the AD in, in terms of watches. I've never felt that way. Um, I've always I felt, I've always felt that I can be savvy enough that I could buy pre-owned. I could buy in just as good a condition and I could save a bit of cash by doing it. So yeah. I think that's kind of why I went that route to begin with. I knew I wanted that watch. That wasn't a hard watch to get at an AD. Um, you know, these long jeans, you could go by any day of the week, pretty much. Um, but I was chatting with Matt a lot and I, I mentioned to him that I really wanted one. He's like, Hey, my buddy's selling one for X amount of percentage off. Um, I'll get it for you. And then I'll ship it to you if you want it. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll save the five, six, 700 bucks, whatever it may be. I trust you. The watch is in good condition. It's okay if there's a scratch on it. Like that's not gonna not gonna bother me at the end of the day. Um, and I think that's just kind of why I've always gone that route. I've never bought a single watch from an AD. Yeah, I've also never had the opportunity because I don't have that relationship. Obviously, by not going ever. No, no I, I don't I, think I, I have either. No, I'm, I'm sure. One. Yeah, no, me too. Like I bought one or two, and and um, recently, if um, someone from school reached out to me um because they saw me online and they reached out and had lots of questions and asked me what my opinion on uh buying secondhand was and I said I love it most of mine are secondhand um and she was like but why why do you not like buying from AD I said well it's not 
you know, like a thing that you, if you wanted to, you could, right? Sometimes it takes sure. a lot more, you know, building up to that. And second of all, like, I don't need the experience, you know, the champagne popping, the welcome in, like, it's nice to see. I don't need that. Um, because I feel like, like exactly what you said, I feel like I'm, I'm confident enough for my, in myself that I can make certain decisions without the influences of other people and without the, you know, the, the champagne and the pastries that you get from buying a watch, right? I'd much prefer to get something and share with friends. Um, so, so I get that completely. Um, but Yeah. I don't need the champagne to, to pay extra tax. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah. not worth it though. If you if you factor in whatever brands mark up at um, compared to at the time secondary, right? It's not worth it. It's like it's... yeah, I could go and buy that and still save money. I could... Yeah. Yeah. It's it's there's obviously people that their nerves get shot, you know, when when they they have the idea of buying something, um, especially if they're not familiar with this world. So it's been nice to to help some friends out who who get a little nervous, um, you know, buying on the gray market, if, if that's what we want to call it, or secondary market. Um, but it's been nice to ease some friends in who are not watch people or collectors, and they just want their first watch. Most of the time, some sort of Rolex or, you know, Omega or something. And um, it's been nice to like ease some people in to understand that it's okay. You just have to vet somebody out. And if you're okay with that and you're okay with it not coming with stickers on it, then you can get something great for a great, great price. Yeah. yeah. And you've got um, like communities, which is so like, you know, that was another thing that wasn't really available. You can so easily ask somebody that has experience like you or Jack and, you know, they can give it to you in two seconds. And then you, that, 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 that almost makes your decisions because it's always like by the buyer, right? Always. Yeah. By the seller. Yeah. Sorry, um, by the seller. Do you ever get burned <laughs> out, Dan? Of what? Instagram or? Of Instagram or just because again, like I feel like I still have yet to meet that many collectors in real life. And you, I mean, especially mm. what you do now as part-time um, consultant for China, for Philips, like you meet a lot more collectors, right? And even like industry yeah. people. So, but even like before you started doing that, you were meeting people regardless through Shanghai Watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. So like, yeah. so so do you get burnt out A, via Instagram and B, in real life? And how do you cope with that? Yeah, I think the, the, the quick answer is yes, I do. And I think part of that is why, well, you know why, like I, we started this podcast is because um. It's really nice uh, to meet a lot of people that's in your hobby. When you, you asked that question to Cam at the beginning of what made you want to take it more seriously, you know, because a lot of the time in the early phase of your watch collecting it is solo. And I think one of the things that does instigate you to um, take it further is when you do have someone to share it with and you, and you meet the community and you have someone to bounce ideas with. And that can accelerate your learning process and your experience. Um, but then once you meet so many and you, and you aggregate so much knowledge at a certain time, you know, in this short space of time, um, you do seem to, I feel have a lot of similar conversations like over and over again, especially with new people coming in. Um, I just found myself like, oh, you know, it's I never want to forget where I came from and I want to welcome more people to the hobby, but at the same time. I can only do that so much. And it's about, you know, what do I get out of this interaction with somebody? Because I can't, you know, my time is finite. And with the podcast, you know, I get to talk watches with you and Lung all the time, right? And you're like my trusted friends. And then I get to interview certain people in a very controlled way, right? And that kind of helps. In terms of, I mean, part of the reason why I took the Phillips job also was exposure to watches. You know, with Phillips, it was kind of the collecting path I wanted to see. But obviously, you know, I don't have limitless amounts of cash, but I get exposed and feel and touch and see these pieces and learn from actually a whole team that most of them know more than me. Right. So I'm suddenly like the apprentice now. And it's like I'm going back to school and you're getting little tidbits of stuff and you think, wow, I didn't know that. But 
you know that that's what really makes the the journey so worth it you know it's all that aggregation of knowledge and just waiting for that little bit of information that you hadn't heard before because you've heard so much already you know I don't know if that makes any sense. And you can't sure. get and you can't get that with just anybody that you talk to or you meet. Yeah, it's it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a it's a gamble, isn't it? Like you never know. People reach out to you on Instagram all the time. You go for a coffee. It's two hours every time, you know. And that sounds so dickish, but <laughs> it's okay. We're in a safe environment. But yeah, no, yeah, it's I, okay. Yeah, I get I get what you mean. Um, because it did resonate with when you said the collector's gene and you were you were you know how you started getting into watches i thought that's pretty much like me and then you were very interested by the people and the stories right and i, I recognized that that was a a factor for me you know the people jacqueline's story long long story everybody's again another reason to do the podcast um and then and now it's flitting back to the watches because i have to say not because she's here but you know when i met jacqueline and she the way she took the photography and the way she talked about the just changed my eye you know exposed me to to a different like arena and i thought oh shit man i need to up my game yeah. but it's, it's stuff i actually like because i'll be constantly thinking not not like um i got burnt out but you plateau at certain times and you don't know where to go next right and you're waiting for some inspiration and i think jack gave me that yeah yeah, for oh, sure. Thank you. That's very nice of you <laughs> to say. You don't say that to me often enough. Um, <laughs> no, but but I think that's a that's a perfect segue to to move on to my next question, which is, I mean, you asked me that question on our um, talk uh, on collectors gene, but w- what's your collecting philosophy, Cam? Yeah, I think it always first starts with, and it's 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 hard to express this to people and and resonate a lot but it's it starts with buying what you like and what speaks to you right away um like i mentioned to you when we were talking we all have a list i mean i keep mine on my phone um since i started collecting of the watches that interested me that i thought i may want to buy at some point or that i really wanted to buy at some point and i could guarantee that 98 percent of my collection was never on that list and never has been on that list. And you see a photo of something, you see something in a store, you see a, a you know, a video, whatever it may be of something. And your eyes like, oh my gosh, I have to have this. Right. And that's kind of how I've just let my philosophy ebb and flow um, is just buying what I like and buying what comes across me that I get that feeling of, I have to have this. Right. There's so many great watches out there, even the ones that are on my list that I've had for forever that I absolutely adore. Do I want them anymore? No, I've seen them. Way too I've many. held them. Yeah. I've seen a ton of pictures. Do I think they would make for a great collection still for somebody? Absolutely. Do I direct people in those directions to start? Absolutely. But it's not what interests me anymore. And even sometimes the things that I buy that I fall in love with, I fall out of love with. And that's when you sell stuff and you have to be okay with not owning everything. And you, you, a lot of times you simply can't from, from a simple virtue of, 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 of a financial standpoint, you know, you can't own everything. And if something's not getting wrist time, you have to be able to be comfortable to say, I'm not wearing this. I'm, I'm spending a lot more time with other pieces. Um, and I need to, to move on and move it into something else that, that I really want to try. Mm-hmm. So you do believe in serendipity as well. Like what I am common. Yeah. I mean, serendipity to me is like what's created my whole collection. I think, um, stumbling upon things that I never thought I wanted. Um, you know, Cartier being one of them, I've always loved Cartier, but all the Cartiers I've bought have been without ever putting them on a wrist before ever trying them on. And they're all smaller. And I know that I'm okay with smaller watches. I actually prefer it, but you know, that's all serendipitous is to, to see a Cartier Benoit, like we were talking about, that looks like a tiny little, you know, fleck on, 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 uh, you know, dimensions on paper, but when you put it on your wrist, it's like a dream. Yeah. And it's so hard to express that to people because people it's, get nervous. Everyone's like, I want, I want a 48 millimeter, you know, whatever. And it's just, yeah, it's very difficult to verbalize the feeling 
that watch mm-hmm. gives you. You really have to. Well, first of all, you have to be okay with smaller watches. And but but once you're once you're at that point and you try one on and the way it fits, like to people who are listening. And by the way, if Tim, my friend who's listening, he was like sending me voice memos because he was jogging to collector's gene and he was like, and he's French. Um, he he kept on sending me voice memos. He's like, Jack. I cannot emphasize enough. It's not bang noir. It's bang noir. I was like, okay, okay. Calm down. Okay, bang noir. Um, but yeah, no, for for people who have not tried on uh, a bang noir before, it's hard to describe why just a round like oval watch fits so well because you would think, you, you wouldn't think about that. You're like, oh, it's just a small oval watch. But it just, it just accentuates your your wrist in in such a way that I that I find beautiful. Um, not to dig at anybody either, but I feel like a lot of people are not comfortable with themselves, you know, to put something as avant garde as that on their wrist and walk out of the house with it. You know, um, a lot of people just aren't comfortable, and that's okay. It's not a, a a good or bad thing necessarily. It's just it's not what people are used to. Most people are not used to anything other than, you know, a GMT or a Submariner or um, a Royal Oak and, and all these typical larger case watches. So for someone to go ahead and say, I'm going to buy a vintage Cartier, or I'm going to buy a vintage Movado, or I'm going to buy a, you know, I don't know, vintage Omega, you know, Seamaster or something like that. Until someone realizes how much of a pleasure you get of having something that special on the wrist, they'll never know. And that's okay. That you know, n- nobody needs to um, confide to any sort and any certain rules or anything like that. But people just need to give stuff, I think, more of a chance um, or let more serendipitous things happen. You know, yeah. people always reach out to me and say, oh, I love this. What's the size? And I'm like, it's 33 millimeters. And they're like, oh, it was way too small. I'm like, well, have you ever put on a, a 33 millimeter or 35 millimeter Nomos? Because this watch wears exactly like that, you know, long lugs, hugs the wrist, thin, and they're like, oh, yeah, I have, but it's just too small. And I'm like, look in the mirror, look in the mirror, you know, you, you really aren't aren't giving things enough of a chance. Yeah. I think I think that's what serendipity is kind of all about. Yeah. I mean, Dan, you bought a vintage Movado and did you think it was too small? No. But I think... Uh... Yeah, I don't think it's too small. I think going back to Cartier is... Uh, for, for a long time, right, I'd never considered Cartier. And again, I go back to Jack because like I'd never considered Cartier. And I would have never t- taken a second look, to be honest. And I still don't own vintage Cartier. I've tried them on. I, I tried one on the weekend, you know. And I just don't think it's me. It doesn't represent me, right? Sure. Um, but I do appreciate the elegance that only Cartier can do, right? It, it's right. a specific language that only Cartier can do. And if that elegance matches your 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 outfit, how you are as a person, how you would like to present yourself, then there is very little better than Cartier. You know, Patek has their own design language. I was talking to Long Long. I actually think, you know, vintage Piaget has also an elegance that is underrated, very different to Cartier, but still, you know, a specific type. Um, But now I would much prefer to go smaller than bigger because it just makes you like, you said it quite rightly, you know, I'm very comfortable with wearing a smaller watch. If anything, it's almost a, it's like, it's it's a bigger flex. Right. You know, because most people don't wear a smaller watch and and people notice that much quicker than if you wear a bigger watch because they think oh that's really small right immediately <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. right? is that how for sure know? i mean and it's not about no, keeping, but it's true and, and it's not that all small watches make sense for everybody you know i've had plenty of small watches that i bought that i loved and then i fell out of love with that were were small and i traded them for bigger watches so Again, it's all it's all about at the end of the day what speaks to you. Um, let serendipity things, you know, let things be serendipitous as they happen, and and take them for what they are. And if something's speaking to you and you can make it happen, give it a shot. 
if you buy right mm -hmm. and you buy what you like, again, yeah. I go back to that. You'll always be able to get out of it. Mm -hmm. I think it also takes time for the eye to get accustomed to a smaller watch and to be like, you have to appreciate, I always say when you, when a watch goes thinner, it's one of the easiest ways to make a watch more elegant, right? So we look at the Royal Oak, we look at the Nautilus, you know, when they're the thinnest ones, they the, tend to be the more elegant ones, right? I think also when you make it smaller, you're making suddenly everything that needs to be done in that case more difficult so everything has to be precise right and the detail has to be completely you know on point uh it certainly takes time to develop an eye for that kind of detail and appreciation for it i think yeah no doubt yeah um cam you said you've traded uh smaller watches towards bigger watches that you know that you simply fell out of love um with in the first place and we were having this conversation again on your podcast regarding a trade that you're considering any any developments well tell us what what that <laughs> trade is first what your um thought process behind it is and any process uh progress since since then yeah so i'm, I'm doing the opposite actually of what i was talking about of, of trading larger watches for smaller watches. I'm doing the exact opposite or, or looking to do the exact opposite. So I have a, a Neo Vintage, um, if you will, Aquanaut reference 5066A. So just the 36 millimeter steel uh, automatic Aquanaut and a vintage 16750 uh, Pepsi. Um, I love both. I adore them to pieces. There are two watches that I always wanted to have in my collection. Um, and now I have them and now I'm like also in love with the 5164A travel time or the 5167R, which is the rose gold with the chocolate dial and the uh, chocolate strap. And when it comes to the 5164A, I thought, okay, um, I could get rid of the 5066 and the 16750. So my vintage Aquanaut and my Pepsi and put it into a 5164 and kind of get the best of both worlds, right? You get the, the travel time function and then you get also an Aquanaut. And so I've been slowly convincing myself that maybe I should trade, <laughs> trade both to move into that watch. Um, and I haven't made any development because when I was in Lake Como, uh, a gentleman next to me was wearing the 5167R, so the rose gold. Oh, no. <laughs> time only Aquanaut with the chocolate <laughs> dial. And I had my uh, 5066 on. And I just held up my wrist to him. And I was like, nice watch. And he's like, oh, competition. And I was like, I, I don't think so. Um, but I, I also absolutely adore the the rose gold with the chocolate dial. Um, so now That's I'm in such between. such a coma watch. Oh, my gosh. Like, I was surprised I didn't see more of them, but this guy was like, I mean, his wife came in with the, with the Birkin to the pool and, and he's wearing that Aquanaut. And I was just like, wow, that's uh that's kind of next level for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. There's no developments. Most people would say, even my wife is saying, why would you sell two watches just to get one? Um, <laughs> so, you know, obviously there's some logic behind that, but most people are saying, keep the two vintage um, but I don't know, my heart's kind of pushing away and, and leaning more towards just having, <laughs> having the 5164, but I know I would say 98% of people will probably disagree with me. No, I'm laughing, right? Because on the weekend when I was just this collectively, yeah, we're talking about small watches, right? And, uh, the guy brought out the, uh, the Panda Daytona, the stainless steel one, right? Sure. And Jack knows I've, I've liked it, but that watch, right? I didn't want to give it back. I had it on my wrist <laughs> and it sat with me the whole dinner. And I was thinking to myself, this watch has been out for years, Daniel. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you see it. It's probably the most seen watch on Instagram, potentially. Like, why are you getting into it now? Like, like, <laughs> is it even appropriate? You know, I'm just I thinking, know. do you know what I mean by appropriate? Like, yeah. It's like you could have got it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> you I know. know, why are you going You could have got it because the prices are so low now for that watch compared to before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. There's no uh necessary necessary developments that are happening. It's just my thoughts of what do I want to do? I have some some people that are interested in in 
taking both of them. So now I'm like, okay, if I really want to move forward, I need to just make the sale happen. Um, but I've actually never tried on a, a 5164 travel time. I've tried on a 5167, which I think they're technically the same size, except the travel time has the two pushers on the left. But other than that, they're the same size and I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, but I've, I've never seen uh, the travel time in person. So I don't even know. I, I would be totally uh, taking a leap of faith here. But I really wish that the first time you see it, like if you were to see it on on uh in, in person isn't on some person who just like is not you know it's not look good on because right. <laughs> we've, we've also had this conversation and actually long and dan have had this conversation because i remember the first time i heard about it, it was like it was definitely earlier on like when i first joined the podcast so like late 2020 early 2021 when we were having this conversation and they're like yeah, have you had that moment or that experience where like you you've been lusting over a watch and the first time you see it in real life is on someone that just does uh, not make the watch the look good and it kills it for you and both of them were like uh yeah, like that's happened a few times and I was just like, hmm, this never yeah. happened to me because I was living alone in Canada and there was like no watches and and since moving back to the states, <laughs> it has happened a few times and I'm like yeah, it is kind yeah. of like kill joy. <laughs> Just about every modern Rolex I've ever been interested in has been killed. Really? Yeah. Um, With the exception, I've got, of I've got a question. Yeah. I've got a question yeah. because, like, I have a very similar dilemma dilemma as you can. You know, where you're considering like two watches, right? So the sure. Daytona I was mentioning, right? But something I've also looked at is the fifty one ten by Paddock. You know, the world timer in a smaller case size, right? Yep. 5110. Oh, 5110. It's the one with the guilloche. Yeah, in the in yeah. the centipede. It's not enamel, right? But it's it's smaller, right? It was it like 36 um, or 37 and a half? Yeah, exactly. It's not yeah. like the newer ones. Um, and I tried it on, and that case size is just and and it's still got that rounded, almost pebbly kind of feel to it, rather than yeah. the really sharp edges. That case Which size one is would magic. You get? Yeah, which one? You know, it's so. Di- I know it's a, such a different watch, right? It's not even like similar to what you you you're saying. You know, Aquanaut or Aqua. I, I, I'm like thinking, oh shit! <laughs> like, oh, you're I, thinking I the between the Panda and the World Time. Yeah, which one would you do? Oh, uh, you know my answer. World yeah. Time. Yeah. World time. I mean, hundred percent. There's 100%. something about the World Time that when you show it to somebody, um, besides your own pleasure, but when someone's like interested in what you have on your wrist and you show them and you're like this can tell you the time in all of these places that are listed in this small little watch there's just something so so uh interesting for me about that that i i love those things i i love that sort of stuff you can always get i always when i'm deciding between a couple of things i always look at what can i always go back to and get right there's a, like in this case for me, there's a million yeah. Pepsis out there. Yeah. I can yeah. always go get a Pepsi yeah. any day of the week if yeah. if the cash reserves are there, right? I can always go buy one. There's always Aquanauts. Um, so when if you can find a, a, a nice world time, right, for a good price, there will always be Daytonas to buy. Yeah. I agree. I, was and also, I think it's just a more special And watch. also you you like, I don't know. And this is like as a friend talking, right? I mean, you yeah. work at Philips now, right? Yeah, it's I know. Kind of I lame if you just buy a Daytona. I thought about that too, right? And and yeah. and go meet clients because you know like, what I thought though? It's so expensive. You know, yeah. Do you know what I thought that I could get away with? Yeah. I thought like I could wear it and change the bracelet to a Jubilee. I was just about to say that. I've seen a lot Where of people you, do that. Right? Yeah, you see. I've seen a lot of people alike. do that. With the um with the black dial model, yeah. I've seen them do it with that, and it actually looks incredible. Um, I thought that if I ever also got a modern GMT, I would do the discontinued all black GMT, and I'd put I've seen people put that on a Jubilee, and that also yeah. looks killer. But yeah, yeah, I think you go world time. I don't I don't think there's a. Uh, I, a I convinced contest. myself that I could wear the Panda to work 
if I put it on the Jubilee, because that shows that, oh, he's different. <laughs> but then I'm convincing myself that I could, I should get the 5110 because it would allow me to track Jack's time zones a lot better <laughs> without having to like, originally I just uh, had my, you know, my reverse thing is in Vancouver time, you know, but she flies everywhere all the time. So it's like, where are you? What time zone are you in? That, that would work. Yeah. What a great, what a great excuse to buy another watch. <laughs> <laughs> Not creepy at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely world time. And I think it's, you can't go wrong because just look at, like, of course, the Daytona has a history, but we talked about this. For a paddock, you get three things. You get, well, four, if you want to go, like, big boy. Um, you get the Calatrava, time only. You can't go wrong. You get a perpetual calendar chrono, yep. You get a world time, or a big boy, you get a um, minute repeater. Like, that's the four things you need from from paddock. I wouldn't even count split into it. So... I mean, World Time is, is is classic. Louis Cotier. Yeah. So that's what I would pick. We we can talk about this later. We can talk about this for like. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so, we'll talk so, about the ledge later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, last question because we're actually running out of time. It's finally, tell us about Collector Gene Radio. Do you think that there's a collector's gene in us? Like, what's the verdict after you've done all these interviews? Which, by yeah. the way, can I, can I, one, one more thing, like, I have yet to listen to the Venice uh, count. Oh, um, yeah. Does he have, so, and you told me that, you know, he's invited you over next time that you're in Venice and stuff. So did he talk about watches at all? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and um, what did he collect? He, he's uh, actually an ambassador for uh, Parmigiani Fleurier. Um, which is kind of interesting, um, but he loves vintage Rolex, uh, vintage GMTs and and Daytonas and all that stuff. But, um, you know, I, I think that there's probably some other things in his watch collection that I would find far more interesting. I'm sure things that he had passed down to him, things that maybe he didn't want to share. Um, but, you know, when I spoke to him, he wasn't too sure if he had the collector's gene. And, and there's been a few people that are like that, you know, um, he grew, like I said, he grew up around all this stuff. He grew up in what is now the Amman Venice hotel, which is a massive palazzo. So this was his home spanning multiple floors, ridiculous artwork, um, antiquities, you know, a, a ridiculous library, that that was his family's like home, right? They lived in yeah. it for generations. They lived in it for a really long time. And then um he eventually rented it out to Amon, but was like, I want to keep the top floor. And so, you know, certain rooms in the hotel were like his mother's room growing up and just just crazy stuff that you can't even fathom. Um, and if you've never seen photos of of the palazzo, I mean you have to. Yeah, look it up because it's just it, it's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's, it, it, actually, it's what you would picture, I should say, to be this grand uh, home on the water in Venice. But, you know, then I, I you speak to certain people like um, there's a, a restaurateur out here based out of Arizona named Sam Fox, and he kind of runs the restaurant scene here. Um, but he's expanded to Nashville and California and all sorts of other places. But um, when I had him on, I kind of figured this would happen. He's like, so what are we going to talk about? Cause I don't, uh, we didn't talk about anything I collect. And I was like, well, you collect restaurant concepts, right? You, you, you build these brands and then you, you start collecting the real estate to, to expand them across different cities and, and different States and all these things. He's, and as the conversation went on, he's like, you know what? I, I guess I really do have, you know, some sort of collector's gene. I never really looked at it this way, but I, I guess I absolutely do. Um, I don't think everybody has it. I think the majority of people that do collect something have it, whether they want to admit it or not, because something is, is in you to say, I need multiple of the same thing in the same category to spend money on that doesn't really bring any value to anybody's life, right? I mean, nobody, uh, everyone always says no one needs a watch, which is the most true thing in the world. We have cell phones that tell the most accurate time. Um, 
but I think that there's something in us for us people that do like to collect something. There's some sort of gene in there that whether you have, whether you were born with it or you, you acquired it a couple of years ago. Um, I, I think there's something that, that makes us tick for sure. Yeah. I, I want to expand on that a little bit because I've, I've thought about a similar thing as you, because but I've always thought of it more rather than, well, it goes back to biological nature, nurture thing, right? How much of it is a psychological impact maybe of childhood or something childhood experience where, because we've always seen those collectors which hoard and that's like almost like an extreme case of collecting, right? Where you really do question where the pleasure in is in actually the collecting the product or the item and how much of it is the process or actually is there a pleasure to it, you know, or is there a need to do it? Right. Sure. And I wonder, okay, we go down that a little bit and we go to collectors, which quote unquote, do it healthier, but is it actually the same thing, but at just a, a watered down version psychologically? Right. And, you know, just to like preface something, I, I wasn't collecting watches as, as a little child, but I did collect a lot of things and I don't know why I decided to, you know, when I was a kid, I used to collect Hot Wheels cars but I decided I only wanted to collect ones that were actual cars that I could see on the street, right? I didn't want any of these funky like concept cars that Hot Wheels would put out. I wanted the things that I could actually see on the road. And that was my collecting philosophy for, for that specific thing. And um, I was super young. No one in my family pointed me in the direction to go and do that. I just had this feeling that I got some sort of enjoyment out of. Um, I think there's a lot of collectors out there that collect all sorts of things that don't realize that they're collectors and have never thought of themselves as collectors. Like the guy from Venice, for example, he's been around this stuff his whole life. He's always bought things. He's always added to the collection, but he's like, no, I, I grew up around this stuff. He's like, I'm not, I'm not a collector. Yeah. Which just, you know, you try to put yourself in his shoes, right. As someone who grew up around these ancient, you know, trinkets of of history and how how does that um encompass like your mind as you're growing up maybe right. to him everything is so it, this is the norm it is um, it you never know, I was like, yeah i was like i'm sure your family has you know a, an incredible art collection i'm sure the, the palazzo had an amazing art collection he's like yeah i'm sitting he's like you can't see but right behind me are all the old family portraits oil paintings of all my old ancestors i'm like you know how much that stuff's worth like all these original oil paintings you know of, of aristocrats from from whatever century and um you know everybody's upbringing is different and for us collectors the way that we collect is all different but i think it all boils down to the same the same issue <laughs> yeah yeah and i think you know um we, we collect for our own memories. You know, for, for me right now, my only focuses are watches and ceramics, but, but really, you know, watches because they don't take that much space. I collected more ceramics when I was at home in Canada. But for me, you know, it's just whenever I'm having a lot of thoughts going on, like there's trains running up here and I look online, I, I I look through my database or I take pieces out at night and I write about them and I look at the hallmarks under the loop. You know, it's, it's it just kind of calms me in a way. And it's those moments that nobody knows about. And it's only like you and the object of your desire. Um, and you share that moment. And this might be a far stretch, but I was, you know, in Europe recently and I was on the plane and I was watching um the film The Whale, um, which if you have not watched, I highly, highly recommend. Like I was bawling my eyes out and the person next to me was like, what is going on? And it was during <laughs> meal time too. So the a flight attendants were like, should we come back? <laughs> but I was like, no, it's okay. I can I can eat while while I'm watching. Um, but you know, uh, Brandon Fraser, his his character in in the movie, um, 
is morbidly obese and he's trying and he's he's dying and he's trying to rekindle this relationship between him and his daughter and he has an essay that his daughter wrote when she was in eighth grade or ninth grade that he keeps beside him that every time he has a heart attack or he cannot breathe or he's wheezing too like too hard that he's about to pass out he recites that essay that his daughter wrote back to him or he lets other people recite it back to him and he regains life and that to me is just I feel like, you know, those little things that might not make sense to other people because the the guy in the movie was like, why do you need to, why do you need me to read this to you? And he kept on asking and Brandon never, like, he never answered. But to him, it's, it's that thing that he has with himself and his daughter through that essay that brings something out of him and makes him want to live or has the will. So anyways, there are so many things that touched me about that movie. Um, absolutely. Absolutely recommend it. So, um, yeah, if you <clears throat> please check out that movie and also check out Collector's Dream Radio. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah. So so now now next to reversal round, Cam, you can ask right. us uh, some questions if you if you if you I didn't ask you to prepare beforehand, but please ask to your heart's desire. All good. Uh, I want to know. From each of you, your favorite and least favorite watch out of both your collections. For the opposite, so I want to know your favorite and least favorite watch out of Dan's collection, and then vice versa. Oh, oh, oh I know. I, see, I, 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 see I, I can tell you my least favorite. <laughs> I can tell you my least favorite really quickly because I've yep. been thinking of getting rid of it. No, no, no. Because I want to know me, your. No, 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 no. Your favorite and least favorite out of mine. Oh. And then I have to pick out yours. Yeah, and then I pick out from yours. Oh, okay. Right now, if I had (laughs) existing collection, right? Yeah, existing collection. Okay, I'll take the (laughs) Sachi. Right. Okay. I would steal it off you, right? I love that piece. Sometimes I tell myself and I say, look, yeah, make the call to Jacqueline and tell her to keep the piece until you can afford it one day and then just buy her off her. (laughs) Okay. I don't want it. Yeah, like... I not the five thousand four. I mean, nah. You see, it's a tough call between the five zero zero four. I'd have to take the Sachi because I think the Sachi is more wearable because it's thinner. yeah. You 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 wore the five thousand four. You didn't like it, right? Uh, it's a great watch. Okay, oh, come on, man. It's a five zero zero four, but the Sachi. Ah, oh, it, I. It's hard not to like it, man. It's hard. It fits so well on the wrist. It's perfect size. Has the tachymeter, brigade numerals on a sharp black dial. What is there not to like, right? Pump pushes as well. <laughs> the boot. Okay. Um, and limited well, and super rare. Okay. Least yeah, favorite. I love that piece. Oh, least man. favorite. I'm just still recovering over that piece. The least favorite piece. Um, 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 ah, I know the RM. <laughs> oh, I made it easy for you. <laughs> yeah, I would take the RM because yeah. uh, I never wear it. First of all, it's clearly a lady's watch. Secondly, it's not. I would, well, I would have no use for it. Right, I can't you even only, think of an You only to think it's it. a lady's watch because I put a pink strap on it. You should see that watch on a black strap. Well, I kind of love that. Right? Whatever, whatever strap it is on, it's not going to work for me. <laughs> okay. Well, that was yeah. easy. That was easy. Um, oh, man. My favorite watch. See, <clears throat> I. I love your Movado. And I think it's because we 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 have the same watch in 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 many senses. Like yours is in steel, mine is in rose gold. And I just think um not many people appreciate know how to appreciate them right now. And again, like I I love that. I love underrated gems. Um my least favorite, oh my god. I don't know like see the rm was easy for you because like it's (laughs) but 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 i can't like 
Every I have a watch that I you really have. wear. It doesn't have to be one that you don't necessarily like, just one that maybe just doesn't necessarily speak to you. I have one. I have a watch that I'd, if I told you I've got it, you might not even know I've got it because it never gets away. The Rolex? I've got, no, I've got a Speedy. Oh, I I've didn't got the know. Moon that. I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, because I never want to wear it. Wait, that's like the first watch that you bought? No. It's I don't know which number it is, but it's not the first one. But I have an Omega Speedy and it never ever gets worn. Okay, yeah, I didn't I didn't know about that. So I mean that <laughs> might be it, but but everything else in your collection you you have a purpose for which i like i mean the rolex i know yeah. is a very personal story to yeah. you yeah the reverso yeah. is a very you know you you love that watch a lot the datagraph you 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 have a very special connection to so that's why i was like i can't see yeah they all they, yeah yeah i seem to um, have that actually now you say that they all have kind of stories attached to them like i've got that shanghai watch you know again it's my, back to my chinese heritage I've got, you know, I've got even got a swatch, you know, the polka dot uh, system 51 watch, right? You know, my wife bought me that. Like, they all have this emotional connection apart from that speedy, actually. Like, you you know, at the beginning of the show, you said about like going to an AD and buying like from AD and how, you know, you don't need to do sure. it because you're so comfortable with yourself. And I said, yeah, you know what? Like, actually, no, I have bought watch by in it. That was it. The speedy. Right. And I'll tell you why I bought that speedy. I bought it because I got burgled. Right. And I lost a few watches. So I they couldn't replace the watch. They gave me like um a set amount of money to spend at a jeweler. <laughs> nah, yeah, you laugh, yeah, because there was nothing else I could pick, right? Like there was nothing they they stocked like Brightling and uh oh, God. Which just uh, like which Speedmaster is it? It's just the original, moon, you know, the, the standard yeah. moon watch. Um, yeah. you know, it has wait, a light crystal. Like, I, I love the, a good moon watch. Wait, that's a really good watch. Nah, it's not the sapphire it's crystal, big. right? It's, it's not, not the sapphire. sapphire. It's, it's no, the it's the it's the plexi or whatever they they call. Yeah, it's the plexi. It has a light. Wait, has a light. Has a light. That's great. I tried yeah. it on. Oh, it's nah. one of my favorites. You really? don't wear it. You should wear it. No. No, why? It's so big. Don't you, you guys not find that so big? It is. Wait, but I thought it was huge I until I put it on. Perfect. And yeah. I was like, hey, it's not as big as I had thought. Yeah. The thing is, the, the, the bezel's thin, right? And the black dial. I think you I, can I wear it, think it really well on a strap. Don't wear it on the bracelet. I do have it on a strap. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> I have it on a really nice brown strap. I wore it, never fell in love with it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the story like everybody else does. It's one of those things, right, where you want to love it, right? You think, I'm going to give you a chance. I'm going to give you a chance. And it's just like dating that chick that you shouldn't have dated. You know, you're trying to convince yourself she was the right thing, but, you know, because she had everything going for her. And it's like, nah, there's just no love there. You know, yeah. you just can't make yourself do it. Can I? Okay, I'll say something that might make you love it. Might. Okay. I don't know. Um. The case of the Moonwatch, the Speedmaster, yeah. is almost identical. And a lot of people are going to give me shit for this. But to me, they're almost identical with the Acrivia line. Nah, that doesn't make me like it. Okay, <laughs> it's not an Acrivia. It's not an Acrivia. But the case is say it's like, almost, an like the finishing, the sculpture aspect is I yes. could say Panda Dial, Panda Dial, uh, Panda Dial Omega Speedmasters, yeah, look like the Rolex Daytona. Does that make you like them? Fair Come enough. on, man. Fair enough. You tried, Jack. You tried. I tried. I tried. <laughs> okay. Um. Sure. Any Any other questions? Oh, wow, that was. That was a good one. <laughs> we never. Sorry, we I never threw you guys for a loop. That. Yeah. Um. Yeah, one more question. So we we were talking about earlier how we could get burnt out on Instagram and stuff. So what's one non-watch page on Instagram you could recommend for all your listeners to look at that will help them when they're burnt out? 
Great question. Oh, I, I got, I got, I got, I got a good That's one a here as well. Question. I got that straight up. These are great questions, but and I have one for you guys too. Yeah. Yes. Please. Okay. So my one would have to be uh, these positive vibes quotes. Of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> or the good quote. The good quote. The good quote is also a good one. Like, uh, you know, with all the negativity and hate sometimes you get on social media and some of it's like, yeah, just not great for your mental health. I think having this stuff just sometimes just almost pauses you on as you read it. They're just words, just a sentence or two. And just make sure you, at that moment, just feel grateful for what you have. You know, just feel happy. Just, And I think when you burn out, Generally, that's accompanied with not feeling that great. Reading those, actually, I think is, oh, re allows you to somehow reset. Love it. So so what's Check the name out. of the account? Uh, well, the good quote. Um, oh, the good I'll, quote. I'll cheat and say another one. Positive vibe quotes. I think okay. they're good. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Um, For me... I love photography. Like the whole reason why I started this Instagram account was actually for the sake of photography. And like now it's, it's both, but before, like when I first started, it was photography focused. So for me, I follow a bunch of uh, photography accounts on Instagram. And one of my favorites is called meanwhile in nowhere, all in one word, no spaces in between. And it's this guy who just takes photos of street art and windows and, and walls and of buildings, like colorful ones, really colorful ones that every time I look at it, I, I'm just, I'm just happy. And, and it's, it. it's um, yeah. So, so everybody listening, check, check this guy out. It's just very therapeutic in a way. Um, and there's another guy um, that I, I follow that I really, really like. Um, but I, his, his, he, he's European. So I, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, um, like, uh, well, but it, I'll, I will try. His name is Horacio Rees Pays. He's from Urgogwe. And he also takes these landscape photos in the most toned down, like earth washed, um, uh, color schemes. That is also just very therapeutic. For, for me to look at so um those those are the two accounts that that i'd recommend uh, yeah before we go on to the next round right we need to give a shout out to to an account that we all love here on the podcast jugs and lugs you know <laughs> jugs and lugs <laughs> always a great one when yeah, you're having definitely. a when you're having a bad day <laughs> yeah when you're burnt out on watches <laughs> yeah you know, yeah if you I need a little chuckle yeah, which, you know, people who are listening uh, this far know that that's Lung's OnlyFans account, right? Like, so how can we not support our co-host, right? We, we love yeah. her. Everyone donate. Um, yeah, everyone, everyone help Lung. Aren't you supposed to make a guest appearance on that page? <laughs> You can you can make a you can make a sub subreddit off, off of that and call yeah. it whatever. Cam, <laughs> um, what's your what's your recommendation? Um, so I have two. Uh, one I'm sure a lot of people actually already follow, but it's called Matchbook Diaries, mm. and oh. it's a guy who collects uh, matchbooks and he actually takes uh, photos of them, and then you can buy prints and uh, framed prints from him. Um, and he it's just it's also very therapeutic because a lot of these places a lot of people have been um and a lot of them are like vintage logos maybe of the place uh and i don't know there's just something so cool about about all these matchbooks and and the idea that hotels or music venues or golf courses said hey we're gonna get these matchbooks but let's put a custom logo on it instead of just putting a bowl of matchbooks out and they took the effort to um, make these for their guests and and all these things. And uh, I don't know, I just started paying attention more when I go out places now of the matchbooks that, that people give out. And uh, it's been, it's been quite fun, but I think his page is great. Also very therapeutic. Um, like I said, to, to kind of scroll through. The other one is a gentleman by the name of uh, Mark Maggiore. He's a, a painter who paints um, like Western, 
landscapes. And uh, it's really cool because a lot of times what he'll do is he'll go and he'll create these scenes. So he'll get horses and he'll get people to dress up and all these things. And I'll have them in the middle of the desert and just running around uh, surrounding him. And he kind of paints the scene as they're there as the, the live, I guess, action is going on around him and his pages is, is awesome as well. And um, if you're a fan of, you know, Ralph Lauren and, and uh, anything Western double RL uh, you should definitely give this guy a look because his, his stuff's incredible. Um, and he's super, super talented. Is he, does he he's Italian with acrylic? I don't think so. No, he does like actual paintings. I was just going to say his clouds are amazing. Aren't they insane? <laughs> like he, he's extremely talented. He actually wow. just had a, um, I guess like an auction that he did here of some of his pieces in Scottsdale. Uh, Cause obviously we have a lot of Western stuff out here and one of his, a few of his pieces sold in, in the six figure category, which is just crazy. Amazing. Yeah. His stuff's incredible. How do you, and I see a lot of watch people following him. How do you, how do you, um, is he involved in the watch community or at all? Or I, I, I don't think so. I think, you know, a lot of us watch people love, things like Ralph Lauren and, and double RL and, and lots of Western stuff. And I think it was just a suggested page for me. Um, also maybe because he was in Scottsdale doing this, this auction and I was here, obviously I live here and um, the gallery that he did it at is actually walking distance from where I live. Right. And um, I think it was just a suggested thing based on a lot of different factors that Instagram decided to pull together on my personal background. But um yeah, th those are just a couple pages I think people should should give a look to. It's great. <clears throat> I I give them a follow. Um, thank you. Those are very great questions. We've never had those before. <laughs> of course, got to mm -hmm. be different. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that I think we're up with time. That includes the last bit of our podcast. Um, it's so great chatting with you. We actually. You know, maybe it's because Long's not there. I feel like I've disappointed you because our energy levels are usually so much higher than this, um, which is why I wanted you to come <laughs> and, and get a sense of <laughs> no, it. No, it was perfect. Um, it was no, perfect. but but uh, we can have you back on again when Long's Long's back from her from her uh, other job. Running. I'm happy to do it anytime. <laughs> She's actually yeah. busy with a photo shoot as we're oh, working. Yeah. So. Um, um, yeah, that's why. So I have to I have to come clean on this podcast, basically. So Long Long's account is Jugs and Lugs. <laughs> but Lugs and Jugs. How how Lugs and Jugs. Yeah, you clearly the photographer, are not. come on. It's pretty obvious who it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice multitasking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I'm the pimp. Oh, oh, I thought you were you were the photographer. No, it's you. Oh, I was like, you're talking about yourself. And that's why I was like, nice multitasking. <laughs> okay, well, yes, I, I take private work. Just just send me um, an inquiry. <laughs> I have a good macro lens to use. Um, okay, guys. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you for tuning in to uh, yet another episode. Um, we'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Cam, for your time. Thanks thank so much you. for having me. Yeah. Bye, guys. As always, thank you for listening to the Waiting List Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, feel free to reach out to us at the Waiting List Podcast on Instagram or via our private accounts. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.